0: Heights to the depths of the sea.
1: But notice verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask, what shall I give you? He didn't get on his case about his not obedient, you know, being disobedient. And notice that Solomon did not initiate this, God did. Every
0: creature is unique in the sun. Glaining, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name, you are amazing Welcome everyone, you're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Solomon had a remarkable visitation from the Lord in a dream. This is one of the most significant dreams in the Bible because God seemed to offer Solomon whatever he wanted. This wasn't only because Solomon sacrificed a thousand animals. It was because his heart was surrendered to God and God wanted to work something in Solomon through this offer and his response. The natural reaction to reading this promise of God to Solomon is to wish we had such a promise. We do have them because Jesus promised us in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Now here's Pastor Rob.
1: Uh, Jan, your son was the one who set that pine forest on fire in Michigan. Yes, it was my, my friend and I. Here's a confession, but the statute of limitations is over now. But, you know, but, but then I told my mother this, you know, a couple, a couple years ago. You know, I'm like, Mom, you remember that fire? And God could have told her. I got away with it, right? And I told my mom, she goes, that was you? She remembers very well, you know. And I thought to myself, oh, God, you know, you could have, you could have busted me. I could have been in some serious trouble. I wonder if I should edit this afterwards. No, just kidding. <laughs> Someone's going to turn that over to the Michigan State of Police and going to be like, uh, "Mr. Kellogg, you're going to jail." Um, no, but you know, friends, kids, we play with fire and we shouldn't, and that's a, that's a good thing for kids not to do, right? So I was proof text of what not to do. But God could have done that. He could have done that, but He didn't do it. He was so gracious. And he always is. And I love this that, you know, the people of God, they are supposed to hallow that place. Just like, I mean, this is not a temple, but it's a place that we worship, and we should hallow this place. You should hallow every place that you go. As a Christian, you walk on holy ground when you go to work, right? It's not just this building, but you know what? While we're here, we respect what this building is for, what this part of the building is for. We come to worship God, we come to learn more of Him. But you know what? He, he wants us to worship him wherever we're at. It could be in your car. That could be your holy time in, the, in your car. It could be out in the woods going for a hike. Just don't set the woods on fire for heaven's sake and blame it on me. But in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, he exhorts the believers. He says, but sanctify or set apart the Lord God in your hearts. And so that's what he tells the children of Israel. Set aside this place. This place, I'll call it by name Jerusalem. Mount Moriah, the same place where Abraham offered up or attempted to offer up Isaac. The same place that Jesus would be crucified on. That same mountain range, that same mountain area would be the same place. But notice verse 3 back in our text. But Solomon loved the Lord. In the Hebrew, there's only one word for love. It's called Ahab. It's where we get our, or Ahav. Remember Ahava products from the Dead Sea? That's where they get this from. When you buy Dead Sea products, you're loving yourself because you're smearing that black mud all over your, you know, those Dead Sea um, minerals all over your your thing and you let it dry and then you rinse off and you got like baby skin. It really does work, by the way. Um, But that's, the, the Hebrew language only has one word for love. But in Greek, there are many. So in Hebrew, they know by the context of the passage or the conversation what kind of love you're talking about. And we do too in America. You know, I could say I love my car and I love my wife and I love God. You know that I mean three different types of love. And I also love, you know, um, Brussels sprouts uh, you know, um, in the oven. You know, uh, what's that? Is it, it's not broiled, is it? roasted with uh spices on them and they get they're really it's really great you got to try it but i love that but you know the difference in context of what i'm talking about but all they had in hebrew was Ahab. but solomon loved the lord and he walked in the statutes of his father except notice notice that except except that he sacrificed and burnt incense to high places and notice how kind god was to him you know and um you know, Solomon was doing really well, but he wasn't being obedient completely. But do you see God just striking him with a whip? You don't see it, do you? He gets his attention and he comes around, and we're going to see that in verse 15. Because we'll see an interesting development in verse 15. You might even want to circle verse 15 and compare it with um, verse 3. I think it's verse 3. Yes. Or verse 5, actually. So anyway, let's go on here. So now the king of uh, went to Gibeon, notice this high place where the pagans used to worship, and he went to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. Now there is a lot of history going back uh, concerning this place called Gibeon. It goes all the way back to Joshua 9. Um, you can you know footnote that and go take a look at that. We're not going to go through this. But this place, Gibe- Gibeon, was about six to eight miles northwest of Jerusalem today. And today it's known as the town of El Jib. And um, Gibeon or, uh, was a high place, a place of worship, as you know. And at that time, uh, the altar of Bezaliel, or Bezalel, that... Um, made the bronze altar for Moses that was there at that time in Gibeon. But notice verse 5. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask, What shall I give you? He didn't get on his case about his not obedient, you know, being disobedient. And notice that Solomon did not initiate this. God did, which leads me to something that I want to encourage you with tonight, because oftentimes you hear people saying, well, the Lord spoke to me, and maybe he did, maybe he did. But when God is willing and when he's ready to really speak into your life, he has no problem doing it. You've got to understand that. So don't think that, well, I haven't heard from him in a long time, therefore I must be hard of hearing. I must be, there must be sin in my life. And, and who knows, maybe there is. You know. But the thing is, is God, do you think there was sin in Solomon's life? He wasn't a perfect man, and is God able to speak into his life at a specific moment? At any time God wants to, believe me, he can use a dream, he can use, speak to your heart, he can use somebody else even, but he will more than likely speak to you directly through his word, through just a still small voice, he, he will do it in a way that it will be undeniable. I've known this because out of all of my 52 years of my life, I have noticed God. There have been years in between of him really giving me cl- very clear direction. But in every area of my life where I, there were big decisions that need to be made, he showed up, and oftentimes unexpectedly, and did things, and I knew it was him. I just knew it was him, and I acted upon it, and it was him. And it went against all odds. It went against all odds. So believe, don't believe me. Believe God that when he is able and re- when he's ready to speak to you, He will. Just say, Lord, I want to be listening. And even if you're not listening, I believe God, when He wants to, He can make it very clear to you. So don't punish yourself and think, well, I'm not nothing. I haven't heard God speak to me in really quite a long time, you know, in a very profound way. You know, He may speak to you through your word, but I'm talking about like lightning things, you know, where He just like redirects your life. Don't worry about that. The same thing happened to Moses. You know how long he was in the desert following Jethro, his his father-in-law's sheep, before God spoke to him through the burning bush? Forty years. Forty years. And there was nothing. He was doing the mundane things. Nothing. And then all of a sudden, boom, I want you to go take my people out of Egypt. What? I'm 80 years old. You know, Medicare's kicking in. I can't go now. And God's going, no, go. But God loves Solomon. And I'll prove it to you. Write down this verse, 2 Samuel chapter 12. Verses 24 and 25. five. Second Samuel 12, 24 and 25. This is what it says. David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and went into her and lay with her. And she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him. The Lord just says it. He loved him. And he sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet, so he called his name Jedediah, which means beloved of the Lord, because of the Lord. The Lord loved him. And do you think the Lord knew that Solomon was going to get to this place at the end of his end of his reign where he would kind of go off the reservation? God knew that. Did it stop God from loving him? I mean, seriously, this is the way you have to think about this stuff because that encourages me because God knows all things. He's already seen Solomon's life before even David was born. He already knew the end from the beginning. And yet God says, I love you, Solomon. And God didn't say, I know what you're going to do in the latter part of your reign. You're going to walk away from me. Now, Solomon did turn around. That's what Ecclesiastes is all about, Ecclesiastes was like, I've been a fool all my life. Worship God. He came around. God brought him around and his testimony is Ecclesiastes. But he knew this about Sama, and yet he loved him. Just like he loves you, regardless of the things that you've done or the things that you will do in the future. He knows that, and yet he loves you now. Let that be a great stake in the ground of your faith, and let it encourage you. But I want to also uh, in, encourage you to be careful about dreams. Now, God met Solomon in this dream, in this pagan place, this high place in Gibeon. He met him there and basically told him, what, what do you want, Solomon? But be careful about dreams. There are a lot of dreams that God gave to people in the Bible. I think of Abraham. I think of Jacob. I think of Joseph, Jacob's son. I even think of a pagan king, Nebuchadnezzar, who I believe came to faith in Christ. And then Joseph, Jesus' earthly caretaker, his earthly father, if you will. And then the wise men who came from the east. These men were given direction by God through dreams. But be very careful about dreams because if they don't match up with what is in the Word of God, you must be very careful. Because people receive dreams from demonic things, demonic beings, saying, do this or do that, and they wake up, oh, it must be God, it was a dream. Not necessarily. But if you act upon what, and, and, and what God wants you to do, if it violates any part of the word of God, it was not from God. I don't care what you think about it. If it's of him, it's going to line up with the scripture. It's not going to violate anything in the scripture. I can tell you that, because God will not violate his word. You can take that to the bank, right? So, verse six uh, in our text. So Solomon said, "You have shown great mercy to your servant my, David, my father." And he basically goes through this. We've already read this. You know, you've done all this great kindness for my father and for me. And now, O oh Lord, my God, verse seven, you've made an all. You know, made me servant instead of my, you know, my father. But I'm a little child. When when he says this, he was really a, a, somewhere around twenty years old. Uh, Solomon, okay? But he's basically saying, I'm inexperienced. You know, I came into this with a silver spoon. You know, everything was provided for me. I didn't have to do anything. My, day, my dad, he, he, he had the, all the materials, all the workmen were in place, all the ministries, the blueprint, everything. And I just sat there and watched as they did it. He goes, but I don't know how to come out or to come in and your servants in the midst of your people whom you've chosen, a great people, too numerous to be numbered. Therefore, give your servant an understanding heart that I may discern between good and evil for who is able to judge this great people of yours? And it seems that God could scarcely resist the sequest. Think about that. As Solomon is speaking, God's heart is just jumping. He's like, are you kidding me, Solomon? Of course, God knew this. But to hear it come from his own heart, saying, you know what, Lord, he didn't ask for money. And so notice, then God said, because you've asked for this thing, you've not asked for long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but you've asked for your understanding or to discern justice. Behold, I have given you a why." Notice, I love this. Underline that. I have given you. Underline that in verse 12. I have given you. I've already done it, Solomon. Probably even before you even spoke these words, I had already planted the seed in your heart, but I'm going to tell you right now that from this point going forward, you're going to be the wisest man that has ever walked the face of the earth except for my son Jesus. Think about that. He was not only the wealthiest man. Jeff Bezos has nothing. Elon Musk has nothing on Solomon. Solomon, the richest man that ever walked the earth the wisest man that also walked the earth, who fell into his own folly, unfortunately. And God says, because you've said this, you haven't asked for all these things, I'm going to give you a wise and understanding heart. And I'm also going, uh, and there's no one going to come after you who's been anything like you. And I love what it says in Psalm 111, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord, the reverence. And yes, even the fear of God. I think you know fear can be like, I'm afraid, yes. If you don't know Christ, you should be afraid. But you need to come to him. <laughs> he doesn't want you to be afraid to come to him. But if you're an enemy of God, be very afraid. But once you're his, oh my goodness. <laughs> what an awesome thing. But the fear of the Lord, the reverence, the awe, and yes, even the fear of him is the beginning of wisdom. It shapens me up, doesn't it? It makes me want to suck in my gut and, and put put in my, you know, and tuck in my shirt and and like, Yes, sir. <laughs> you know? In Proverbs one, um, the Proverbs of the Lord, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom. Oh my goodness, there's uh, time is flying by here. I would encourage you to read all of Proverbs chapter 9. Put that in your, in your Bible. Put that in your Bible, excuse me. But what we need today are leaders filled with wisdom, because not those who just have a head filled with knowledge, but those who have wisdom, because wisdom, or excuse me, knowledge is not good enough, and that's what Solomon asked for. I want to be a man of understanding. I want to have wisdom. Many people can have knowledge. You can read, any, anybody can read a book and gain knowledge, but wisdom is something completely altogether different. Knowledge... Um, Uh, Anyone can have a lot of knowledge, but knowledge that is obtained by truth and in the truth is especially valuable because wisdom is a gift from God and it is how one uses knowledge. I can have all the knowledge, but how to apply that knowledge, I need wisdom from God on how to do that. And we're going to see an example of that before we take communion. I know I'm going... uh on the verge of going too long here. But notice in verse 13, he says, And I have also given you what you've not asked for, riches and honor, so that there shall be not anyone like you among all the kings all your days. And so notice, if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes, uh, Solomon, and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. That is what we call a conditional promise. There's a condition. Whenever you see if... And then, those two words, that's a condition. If you do this, then I will do this. Now, God has given so many unconditional promises that have nothing to do with our performance. He told Abraham in Genesis 15, Abraham, and it was an unconditional promise. This is what I'm going to do in your life and through your seed, period. And then he put him to sleep. (laughs) Probably a good thing. You're going to take a nap now. I'm going to make this covenant between you and I, and I'm going to be the one who's going to walk through those pieces. I'm going to make that blood, that covenant, that blood covenant. I'm going to make it, God says. You're going to be asleep. I'm not, you're not having have anything to do with it. Unconditional promises. But this is not one of those. It's a conditional promise. And because of Solomon's disobedience, notice he died before reaching his 70th birthday. So then Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And I'd have you underline or circle this verse here, because notice what happened. Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And notice, he was in Gibeon, about seven miles northwest of Jerusalem. He wakes up from there, and then he comes to Jerusalem. So he comes back down south to Jerusalem, and he stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And notice what he did. He offered up burnt offerings. And offered peace offerings and made a feast to all of his servants. Notice that he left Gibeon, this place of um, idolatry that God didn't want him to worship. And yet he sacrificed a thousand animals at that altar. And God didn't you know, beat him up over it. But after that meeting with God, what does he do? He comes right back to Jerusalem where the Ark of the Covenant is and where the other altar and the other things there that David had put in the tabernacle that he had erected for it, and he worshiped there. And from that moment onward, that would be where he would worship. It just set him back on on, on, on his way. Now, let's look at verse 16 through the rest of the chapter. And this is just a quick... Um, demonstration of what God had said remember he said I've already placed this within you Solomon and I I love that because I I believe that when God saves you he he places everything within you that he is he everything that you need is 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 there and he's just he's going to operate on it when he sees fit and as our faith grows he's gonna he's given us everything folks don't you think that's wonderful I think that's wonderful he's given you everything it's like a seed that's just germinating there, waiting for the right moment. And he's, he, he planted that seed there. And now he's going to put it into action. So, verse 16. We're just going to read this through and then we'll take communion. Notice, now two women who are harlots, think of that. Two prostitutes come before the king. Wow. Wow. And they came to the king, and they stood before him. And the one woman said, Oh, my lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I gave birth while she was in the house. And then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And here we are together. No one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. So the one woman rolled over on her son in the middle of the night, smothered him, and killed him. And so she arose in the middle of the night, and she took my. My son, from my side, and while your maidservant slept and, and, and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom, and when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was dead, but when I had examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not the son who I had born. She knew, instinctively, a mother knows when she sees her child. And when I arose uh, okay, I read that, um, verse 22. So then the other woman said no. But the living son is my son, and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, No, but the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. And thus they spoke before the king. Can you understand the dilemma is here? One person's word against another person's word. And they both are pretty uh, sketchy individuals. And now it's just word against word, word against word. What do you do in a situation like that? That's when wisdom comes. Hmm. And the king said... This one says, this is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. And then the king said, bring me a sword. So they brought the king a sword, a sword before the king, and, he, and the king said, divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. And then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, and I can imagine her, at this point, her chest is heaving with emotion. Thinking to herself, I know that that's my son. But in order to fix this dilemma, the king's going to cut my son in in half and give. And the child's dead. What good is a half a child dead to me? And the real mother does the unthinkable. But any one of you probably would have done it as well. All you mothers, I love this instinct that god has given you this maternal instinct it is so wonderful it is such a wonderful gift never ever think twice about it when when you get a funny feeling in your gut about something and when it comes to your child you listen to that
0: i'm sorry that's all the time we have for today but please join us next time as pastor rob continues our study in the book of first kings There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023 just click the school link at the top of the page for more information additionally you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link.